Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of April 9, 2017. People often ask, what's ACB doing? What's going on? Find out on page two, where we've included six articles about what's been happening in ACB this past week. On page three, Paula Penrod brings details of the very special Founders Day dinner, celebrating the 175th anniversary of the Kentucky School for the Blind. On page four is an article from the Kentucky teacher about a special project at the Kentucky School for the Blind, a wonderful article about puppies from the Seeing Eye training at the Newark, New Jersey airport, and a third article about a professional art show featuring the works of individuals who have lost most or all of their vision. And on page five is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two, around ACB. Here are a few significant announcements made by ACB in the past few days. First, from ACB Convention Coordinator comes a convention preview post announcing the 2017 ACB Banquet Speaker. It was posted at 8 a.m. on Saturday, April 8. If you love audio description, sports, or history-making events, you won't want to miss the ACB Banquet. In 2016, history was made. For the first time, the primetime coverage of the Olympics on NBC was audio described. Join us at the ACB Conference and Convention Banquet on Thursday, July 6, where Norma Jean Wick, one of the two Olympic audio describers, will tell us about her experiences with live audio description. The Olympics isn't just a sporting event. There are numerous stories about the athletes, various types of equipment used for gymnastics, so many terms associated with swimming and track and field, and the multitude of costumes. Hear from Norma behind-the-scenes Olympic stories, how she decided what to describe during this multifaceted international event, and what her thoughts were before, during, and after this momentous event in live audio description. The choice of Norma Jean Wick as one of the audio description narrators for the 2016 Summer Olympics coverage was truly an excellent one. Ms. Wick has been involved for many years in Canadian sports television. She has extensive experience in almost all aspects of sports television, including reporting, interviewing, story development, and production. She has covered a variety of sports, including baseball, hockey, and basketball. Ms. Wick has been an instructor at the College of Sports Media for nine years. Her audio description experience includes movies, television programs, music awards shows, and many sporting events, including the Canadian Football League, the Paralympics, and, of course, the 2016 Olympics. Don't miss out on the fun. Make your hotel reservations today for the ACB Conference and Convention in Reno, Nevada. Room rates at the Nugget are $89 single or double. There is an additional $10 per night charge per person for up to four people per room. 
applicable state and local taxes are currently 13.4%. When you make your reservation, one night's stay will be charged to your credit card. To make reservations via telephone, call 800-648-1177 and ask for group code GACB17. You can also make reservations online by visiting the ACB website at www.acb.org. Convention dates are Friday, June 30 through Friday, July 7. Contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Coordinator, with any questions at Janet, J-A-N-E-T, dot Dickelman, D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N, at gmail, G-M-A-I-L, dot com, or by phone at 651-428-5059. For immediate release, ACB welcomes reintroduction of Medicare Demonstration Bill, posted on Friday, April 7, at 1.03 p.m. The contact is Anthony Stevens, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, 202-467-5081, email astevens, A-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S, at acb.org. The American Council of the Blind, ACB, commends Representatives Carolyn Maloney, Democrat of New York, Gus Bilirakis, Republican of Florida, and Steve Cohen, Democrat of Tennessee, for reintroduction of the Medicare Demonstration of Coverage of Low Vision Devices Act of 2017, H.R. 2050. This legislation will establish a national demonstration research project tasked with identifying the impact to Medicare and Medicare recipients who are prescribed low-vision devices over a certain threshold cost. As more and more older Americans encounter significant vision loss, it's critical that governments seek out pathways that can sustain independence in the home, said Kim Charlson, president of ACB. The more we can sustain independence for daily living, the less reliant individuals with significant vision loss will be on more costly alternatives like assistive living. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, ruled almost a decade ago through an eyeglasses exclusion that Medicare would no longer cover low vision devices. The rule raised great concerns among blindness advocates who argue the significant rise in visual disability among the baby boomer generation requires measures that will help them age in place rather than find themselves on a pathway toward costly caregiving services. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, through its Vision Health Initiative, has identified blindness and vision loss as a serious health concern for the United States over the next three decades. Through this demonstration, eligible participants could be prescribed assistive low-vision devices through a licensed eye care physician, said Eric Bridges, ACB Executive Director. These are the types of devices that might be too costly for someone on Social Security, but the kind of things that could have dramatic improvement in their daily lives, like being able to read their mail, keep track of their medications, or fill out important forms with personal information. As Congress seeks out ways to improve health care costs, 
The American Council of the Blind urges the House of Representatives to support H.R. 2050 and move toward expanding greater independence for the millions of older Americans with severe vision loss. To learn more about this important issue, visit www.acb.org. The American Council of the Blind is the nation's leading consumer grassroots organization representing Americans who are blind and visually impaired. ACB strives to increase the independence, security, equality of opportunity, and to improve quality of life for all people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more at www.acb.org. From Joel Snyder, director of the ACB Audio Description Project, comes the following, posted on Friday, April 7, at 11.44 a.m. Nominations open for 2017 ADP Achievement Awards. Once again, we solicit your nominations for the individuals and organizations who represent the best contributors to audio description in six categories. Achievement in Audio Description Media, Achievement in Audio Description Performing Arts, Achievement in Audio Description Museum slash Visual Arts slash Visitor Centers, Achievement in Audio Description International, Dr. Margaret Van Steele Memorial Award in Audio Description, which is Research and Development, and the Barry Levine Memorial Award for Career Achievement in Audio Description. Read the complete announcement and nomination instructions or use our quick nomination form or view past winners at www.acb.org ADP. Nominations are open through Friday, June 2, with winners to be announced at the ACB Conference and Convention in July. And from Shelley Hart, co-chair of the ACB Awards Committee, comes the following announcement, posted on April 3, 2017. Call for nominees for the 2017 ACB Awards by Shelley Hart and Chip Haley. It's that time of year again. The Awards Committee is searching for nominees who are deserving of national recognition for their work in ACB or the blindness community. The awards will be presented at the upcoming conference and convention in Sparks, Reno, Nevada. Candidates will be judged on the quality of their nomination letter and how well they meet the spirit of the award for which they are nominated. Please assist the awards committee by presenting commendable candidates and clearly identifying the reasons you believe the candidate is worthy of receiving the specific award for which you have nominated him or her. The deadline for nominations is April 30, 2017. This means letters must be received electronically by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on that day. Please email nomination letters to Chip, C-H-I-P, Haley, H-A-I-L-E-Y, at Chip Haley at Cable, C-A-B-L-E-1, spelled out, O-N-E, dot net. And Shelley, C-H-E-L-L-E, Hart, H-A-R-T, at C-S-H-A-R-T, at vast v a s t b b dot net 
We are co-chairs of the 2017 Awards Committee. Once the nomination has been received by us, the Awards Committee must review and score the entries submitted. This work takes a little time, and it is helpful to begin the process as soon as possible. The committee looks forward to the challenge of selecting worthy recipients of the 2017 ACB Awards. We need your help to complete our job. You will note that the wording for the award criteria has been updated by your 2017 Awards Committee and recently approved by the ACB Board of Directors. Now it is your job to tell us about these special people and how they meet the criteria listed below. Remember that these are national awards, and nominees will be judged accordingly. 1. The Robert S. Bray Award is given in honor of the first director of what is now the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. This award may be given to an individual or an organization in the area of accessing information. 2. The Durward K. McDaniel Ambassador Award is given in honor of ACB's founding father and first national representative. It is presented to a recipient who exhibits a positive image for blindness in his or her community. This candidate does not have to be a member of or active in any organization of the blind or be engaged in work for the blind. 3. The George Card Award is given in honor of George Card, who was the Executive Secretary of the Wisconsin Council of the Blind, a member of ACB's Board of Directors, a delegate to the World Council for the Welfare of the Blind, and an associate editor of the Braille Forum. It is presented in recognition of outstanding service by a blind person who has contributed to the betterment of the blindness community. This recipient must possess leadership qualities and demonstrate strength of a positive role model. Number four, the James R. Olson Distinguished Service Award is given in honor of Jim Olson, the American Council's longest serving staff member who served as assistant treasurer, treasurer, and executive director of the American Council of the Blind Enterprises and Services, the thrift store project. It may be given to individuals or organizations who have made important contributions to advance opportunities for the blindness community. 5. The Marjorie Beeman ACB Volunteer Recognition Award was created to honor individuals, either sighted or blind, or organizations who have given tirelessly of their resources, expertise, and time toward enhancing the quality of life within the blindness community in general, or for an ACB local, state, or special interest affiliate. The achievements, accomplishments, and service on which nominations are based must reflect the American Council of the Blind's vision and mission. This recognition may be awarded to an individual or an organization to note appreciation for invaluable assistance. Number six, the affiliate growth awards are based on the greatest increase in membership as determined by the 2016-2017 membership reports. 7. The Affiliate Outreach Award is based on a recommendation by an affiliate president, which recognizes a local chapter for new outreach programs. This program must have a measurable outcome. Submit nominations right away. Late nominations will not be considered. If you need help with the nomination process, Call Shelley Hart at 
The following announcement is from Kim Charlson, President of the American Council of the Blind, and appeared on March 23, 2017. It's entitled, Take Action, Support Bookshares Funding. Please act quickly to support funding for Bookshare. We urgently need your help to ensure that Bookshare funding is not eliminated. Bookshare funding is in jeopardy as Congress continues to consider the budget for both the 2017 and 2018 fiscal years. Act now and ask your members of Congress to support Bookshare. Last year, the House of Representatives proposed an FY 2017 funding bill that would, in effect, defund Bookshare. In recent months, we have worked with Bookshare supporters in specifically targeted states and districts to advocate for funding of the program that funds Bookshare, known as the Educational Technology Media and Materials Program. We need your help now to enlist the support of your members of Congress. Please ask your members of the House of Representatives and Senate to preserve funding for the Educational Technology Media and Materials Program. Hearing from constituents is crucial for members of Congress. It can often mean the difference between their support for a program or not. So we need your help. Please visit the ACB website at www.acb.org and follow a link there to send a letter to your senators and representatives asking them to support funding for Bookshare. Or go to http colon slash slash cqrcengage dot com slash bookshare b-o-o-k-s-h-a-r-e We encourage you to personalize these letters by including information about the impact Bookshare has had in your school for your child or within your life. This is a crucial time for Bookshare, and your help is essential to ensure that the program will continue. Thank you for your support, and do not hesitate to reach out should you have any questions. And this was from Jim Fruchterman, F-R-U-C-H-T-E-R-M-A-N, the CEO of Benetech, B-E-N-E-T-E-C-H, which is the home company for Bookshare. And finally, a post from John Huffman, Chair of the ACB Constitution and Bylaws Committee on March 31 reminds American Council of the Blind leaders and members of the procedures for proposing amendments to the organization's constitution and bylaws. Proposed amendments must be presented in writing to the Constitution and Bylaws Committee before the end of the first day following the day of the roll call session of the annual conference and convention. In 2017, this deadline is the end of the day, Pacific Time, on Sunday, July 2. Amendments received after that time will not be considered for this year. Amendments, whenever possible, must be submitted electronically in ASCII text format. Proposed amendments may be sent to John Huffman at j 73 dot huffman h-u-f-f-m-a-n at comcast c-o-m-c-a-s-t dot net questions concerning this message may be sent to the same email address or you may contact john by telephone 
at 317-228-0496. Additional information about the amendment process or procedures of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee can be found in Article 11 of the ACB Constitution and in Bylaw 6, Section D. The current ACB Constitution and Bylaws can be read by visiting the About Us section at the acb.org website. We encourage anyone interested in proposing amendments to review the current Constitution and Bylaws before doing so. Page 3. Paula Penrod is the program coordinator with the Kentucky Instructional Materials Resource Center at the Kentucky School for the Blind, and she's visiting with us today, but not to talk about KIMRC, but instead to talk about the 175th anniversary being celebrated uh, by the Kentucky School for the Blind. It was founded in 1842, and it's been there for 175 years, and we're having a big year-long party. So, Paula, tell us about what's happening with the uh, with the anniversary celebration. Well, Carla, it has been a wonderful year. Uh, we've been learning a lot about who we are um, and where we're going, where we have been. Um, in our year-long celebration, we thought it would be a good idea to give our students and staff an opportunity to look back into the past at some of our accomplishments. And what we've been doing is every Wednesday we have a, a countdown to 175 um, questionnaire and uh, for specific time periods, and the students uh, have been very excited about that and uh, learning a lot about the history uh, and the heritage of this school. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that we are really getting ready to um, look forward to is our um, 175th anniversary celebration dinner and Founders Day program. That will be held May 9th at 6 p.m. in our uh, cafeteria at the school on Frankfurt Avenue. Mm -hmm. The event is on our website now, and uh, we, we will feature a catered meal and uh, special guest and um, just some really neat highlights that evening. And it is possible for people to participate. I know I've heard several questions from people. Can can we come? Can we get tickets? Uh, who's invited? You know, can, can alumni be there? So um, tell us about how we can how we can get involved in this event. Okay. Yes, alumni um, can come, our staff can come, parents uh, the cost to attend is ten dollars uh, per person. Of course, current KSB students are in free, um, and you must register on our website at www.ksb.kyschools.us. is um, is the place that gives you all the details. Um, um, where registered and how to um, pay. There is a payment option where you can pay by credit card or you can mail your check in uh, to me and all that information is on the website. 
you do have to register, though, and um, that's the only thing because we need a final count. Okay. Now, if the person, if a person does not have access to the internet, or isn't very good at filling out website forms, can they um, call you and can you help them with these? Yes. With that process. Yes. Okay. If, if that is a problem, uh, then they can call me at 502-897-1583, extension 7117. Okay. And um, when, when, they, uh, when they register, I would assume you'd need their contact information, name, address, phone, email, that kind of thing, yes. if they have email. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, the registration site, all of that, it will ask you for that information when you uh, uh, register. Right. Okay. Now, if they're going to pay by check, how do they, how do they make their checks out? You, they will need to make out your a check to the KSB Charitable Foundation. Mm -hmm. okay. And then you would send that to my attention. Uh, at the School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfurt Avenue, mm -hmm. and uh, the zip code is 40206. Okay, and the dinner begins at 6.30? It begins at 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. Okay. And it will run to uh, 8 o'clock. We do, we do know that the Education Commissioner, um, Dr. Pruitt, uh, will be attend and um, will be in attendance, and uh, we're working on um, some other special guests to be there, and uh, we're really looking for a great time. We've combined the evening with uh, current and past students uh, that are involved in the program. Uh, we will be awarding the winners of the um, statewide essay contest. So we'll have those winners, and there's some wonderful essays that have come in. And I personally want to thank everyone that has submitted an essay. They are wonderful. You wound up getting quite a few, didn't you? Uh, yes, we did. And uh, hopefully after it's all over, I hope to have uh, make a list of them and uh, have them available for viewing on our website. Uh, so I'm just... That's so great. grateful. Oh, yeah. It just makes me proud to have a tiny part in this school. Yes. Well, this is going to be a really, really fun event, and what a great way to celebrate uh, this milestone in the school's history. Usually, Founders' Day happens during the day and uh, is sort of like a, a school assembly, but um, but this time it's really going to be special, and I, I think it's going to be very much fun. Um, the it, to to just review, people either need to register on the website, the KSB website at www.ksb.kyschools. That's k y s c h o o l s dot u s, um, and uh, and they can pay by credit card on that site, or uh, if they can't, if they really can't handle the website, then they could give you a call, Paula Penrod, at 
502-897-1583, extension 7117, and you could help them, with, help them with that. If you're going to be mailing a check in for this, um, make it out to the Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation. If you don't want to write all that on the line, you could just write KSBCF. And uh, I often do that to the Charitable Foundation. And, um, and for $10 per ticket, and send it to Paula Penrod, P-E-N-R-O-D, at the uh, Kentucky School for the Blind, 1867 Frankfort Avenue, Louisville, Kentucky, 40206. And remember, um, just, to, just as a little friendly reminder, if you're sending in a check for this, be sure that you include a note with your name and uh, address and phone number and the number of tickets that you're requesting. Because when people get checks, just a single check in an envelope, even if you've called ahead of time, it's sometimes hard to match that person up with that check. So um, that would really help, I'm sure. I know, Paula, I have that happen a lot of times when yeah. people are sending in registrations for alumni or things for the Kentucky Council of the Blind. I get this check in an envelope, and they've talked to me on the phone uh, maybe you know, five days before or two weeks before or whatever. But sometimes those checks don't have the name of the person that it's actually for. So then I have to figure out who it belongs to, you know. So um, be sure and help Paula out that way because she may not, she may not know everybody who's sending, uh, who's sending a check in to come to the dinner. Paula, you said we could handle what about two hundred people? Yes. And we hope we fill it up. Yes. And one thing, I do have to have payment prior to the dinner. Um, okay. None of us want to be on that special occasion at the door trying to figure out, you know, who's paid, who's not paid. We're mm -hmm. going to have a guest list, and, and that will be it. And uh, mm -hmm. because it is a special event, and everybody right. wants to get the most out of it. Right. Carla, there's another thing that I did not mention, um, the awarding of the 2017 Paul J. Langan Distinguished Service Award will be given that evening. Oh, and, and that's always a great part of a Founders Day, too. Yes. And uh, that award has been given um, since 1992, it was begun at the 150th anniversary of the school. So um, this will be the 25th year for the Langan Award as well. So it's a, that's a special anniversary. Well, and Carla, I'd like to say that, you know, I've heard it said that a great school in the community in the state is like a campfire. It's where you people want to come back and warm their hands and their feet. And I certainly hope that this dinner and this event will be that kind of event where you will want to come back and uh, be comforted, strengthened, and feel that special place that we all feel at the Kentucky School for the Blind. Thank you, Paula, for being with us today on Soundprints. And please feel free to keep us updated on any announcements that need to be made coming on up to the dinner. That's on Tuesday, May 9, and we, we will certainly be there. Okay. Thank you so much. APH's Draftsman Tactile Drawing Board lets you create instant raised line drawings using the included special film with a ballpoint pen or stylus. 
Produce maps for improving orientation and mobility skills. Practice handwriting, demonstrate math, science, or geography concepts, even make your own art. For draftsmen, call the American Printing House for the Blind toll-free, 800-223-1839, or visit shop.aph.org. APH offers a growing collection of accessible mobile apps, and some are free. These apps feature content such as mathematics practice, braille practice, enhanced navigation, and fun stickers for messages. Some apps are designed for iOS, while others are compatible with Android. Learn more about mobile apps from the American Printing House for the Blind at www.aph.org slash products slash mobile hyphen apps. Page 4. The following feature article appeared on KentuckyTeacher.org on April 4, 2017. It's entitled, KSB Students Show a Community We Care, by Brenna Kelly. Kentucky School for the Blind teacher, Jackie Williams, helped student Mika Taylor sort socks that will go to homeless men as part of Project Care, a project-based learning opportunity Williams created for her five students. Jackie Williams wants her students at the Kentucky School for the Blind to grow up to be caring adults, to think about others and their struggles. So when a class discussion about New Year's resolutions turned into a discussion about being better people, Williams went for it. We started talking about different ways we could help others, said Williams, who teaches students with moderate to severe disabilities. That led the class of five students to think about their school's city. The students brainstormed and researched various issues facing Louisville. Homelessness was the thing they could relate to more than any of the other things, she said. Williams and the class talked about what it would be like to not know where you were going to sleep each night. The more they learned about homelessness, the more questions they asked and the more they wanted to help, she said. So, Williams created a project-based learning opportunity in which her students created care packages for some of the men and women living on Louisville streets. The students dubbed it Project Care. With Williams' help, her students identified items that a homeless person might need and then chose items to ask people to donate. Williams made a flyer about the project asking for donations of socks, packaged crackers, toothpaste, soap, hats, blankets, and other items. Williams posted the flyer at school on her Facebook page and on Twitter. Some of her students' parents also posted flyers at their workplaces, she said. As the project went on, Williams tried to help her students understand homelessness by talking about living outside whenever the class went outdoors. We would talk about how they would feel if they didn't have a toboggan to wear or a coat, so I tried to connect it to real-life experiences, she said. A photo caption says, Student Corey Wallace sorts items for the care packages he and his classmates were preparing as part of Project Care. The packages were part of a project-based learning opportunity in which students created care packages for some of the men and women living on Louisville streets. Back to the article. As the donations started coming in, students began to understand the concept of caring and giving even more, Jackie Williams said.
They wanted to keep some of the items, and we had to talk about how there were people who really needed them, Williams said. After the items were collected, the students sorted them by type. The students' parents then packed the bags. Using donated backpacks and duffel bags, the group created 55 care packages. The students also created original art with the words, We Care, and placed them in each bag. Williams worked with a small local church that has a homeless outreach program to distribute the bags. She hopes to get some feedback from the church that she can share with her students. Because of positive response from the students, Williams hopes to expand the project school-wide next year. Kentucky Department of Education State Schools Liaison Emma Riley said all students at the school could benefit from this project. Project CARE is an outstanding example of education beyond the general curriculum, Riley said. Ms. Williams is teaching her students characteristics that will last a lifetime, empathy, respect, and compassion. Williams believes that all students at the school could benefit from what her students learned by helping Louisville's homeless. I hope they learned that even though they are just one person, you can reach quite a few people as long as you just put a little effort into it and share some compassion and caring, she said. I have five students, and they are potentially reaching 55 people, if not more than that. Williams said she stressed to her students that they made a big impact on other people's lives. I think it helped them be a little more caring, she said, and we really focus on that whether or not we are being a caring friend. For more information about this project, you can email Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E dot Williams at K-S-B dot K-Y schools, K-Y-S-C-H-O-O-L-S dot U-S. This item was posted by Kelly Gask on the ACB list on April 3. <clears throat> And is an article entitled, Seeing Eye Puppies in Training, Cheer Up Travelers at Newark Airport. This article appeared on nj.com slash Essex. Weary travelers looked up from their phones and cracked a smile. Airport workers stopped and took pictures. And a gray day outside seemed just a little bit brighter. A parade of puppies was taking over Newark Liberty International Airport. On Saturday, 89 puppies training to become seeing-eye dogs and their handlers spent the morning at the airport as part of a yearly training organized by the Seeing Eye, a Morristown-based group that trains dogs to help the visually impaired. There were Labradors, Poodles, Golden Retriever Mixes, and German Shepherds, most only months old. For about three hours, the puppies and their handlers went through ticketing, security checkpoints, baggage claim, and boarded a plane to accustom the dogs to traveling and the chaos that comes with it. We have to make sure the dogs are steady when there's a lot of noise, so they're confident and it doesn't scare them, said Jean Colmer of Franklin Township, a longtime puppy raiser. It's so many different experiences you can have in one venue. Sherry, 
a ten-month-old black Labrador, sat calmly by her side as the two waited to board a United Airlines plane. You're making a difference in someone else's life. There's nothing better than that, Colmer said. Sherry was the 18th dog she'd helped raise. Frank Radix, R-A-D-I-C-S, the interim deputy general manager at the airport, said they've been hosting the animals for more than 20 years. This program has trained nearly 3,500 dogs to assist visually impaired passengers navigate busy airports like ours, making air travel a little easier, Reddick said. The seeing eye pairs about 260 people who are blind with guide dogs every year. About 500 puppies are placed in volunteer homes to be raised for 12 to 14 months and then undergo four months of training at the seeing eye. We take her everywhere with us, Trisha Gomez said of her puppy, a six-month-old black lab named Kendall. Gomez, an elementary school teacher from Byram, said her students also love the lab. Kendall is used to a lot of chaos, Gomez, a first-time volunteer, says. She said it's going to be hard to say goodbye. Throughout the process, I'm thinking what a good job she'll do for someone else. Volunteers are asked to provide a loving and nurturing home environment for a puppy for approximately one year. Inside the plane, the puppies calmly curled under the seats, though a few paws and tails popped out of the aisles. Some rubbed noses with each other under the seat, and others sniffed each other across the aisles. It's a new experience. Jesse Cayallo, 15, of Union County said, Yurik, her 10-month-old Labrador, lay on his back, hoping to get a belly rub. The hardest part is having patience. Trained volunteers receive the puppies when they are seven weeks old, and help the animals be good family dogs and learn commands like park, which means go to the bathroom. A few of the puppies, still in training, had accidents along the terminal. The puppies also livened up the terminal for passers-by. One family was on a two-hour layover and headed back home to Chicago when their four children stopped to play with an 11-month black lab and rub her belly. Janet Keeler a long-time volunteer, said taking the dogs to the airport was a good exercise in case they are paired with a person who travels often. You never know who they're going to be matched with, she said. Keeler was holding the 55th puppy she's trained over the years. I'll be back here with the next one, she smiled. The following article was posted on the ACB list on April 6. It is entitled, For These Artists, Limited Vision Expanded Their Horizons. Sharnita Shug-Smoot vividly remembers the initial trauma that would lead to her transformation into an artist. It happened five years ago when she was a double major at Towson University with a packed schedule that included cheerleading and an internship. Suddenly, in the middle of class, the sounds around her became hyper-amplified and she felt a burning in her eyes. I couldn't look at the light at all, she said. Since childhood, she had had an eye disorder, amblyopia, that severely limited her vision in one eye, but she had worked her way around it 
by relying on friends to take notes when she could not see the blackboard. Now, on top of that, she was diagnosed with photophobia and intense sensitivity to light. I had to stop everything all at once, including school and extracurriculars, said Smoot, now 25. Everything I cared about was being lost. Everything I identified myself with was gone. But sometimes after a fire, new seeds take root. Always a doodler, Smoot began to seriously pursue painting, wearing dark glasses to protect her eyes. The hobby became a business, and now she is one of four blind or visually impaired artists whose group exhibit, Illuminations and Impressions, opens Thursday at H Space in Shaw. It is the second show of its kind organized by Columbia Lighthouse for the Blind in partnership with the Corcoran School of the Arts and Design at George Washington University. At the first one in 2015, visitors on opening night were awestruck by the abilities of people with vision loss to create such masterpieces, said Jocelyn Hunter, Columbia's Senior Director of Communications. They did everything but come out and say, I am shocked. Their faces said it all. I've had people ask me, well, how can the artist do it? How precise, how clean the lines are. Erica York, one of the show's participants, does not think they should be surprised. I've had people ask me, like, how can you paint or how can you create art if you can't see? And I think that's the weirdest question ever because creating art is supposed to be about your perspective, your unique perspective, she said, adding, I could paint if I was totally blind, like when people who are hearing impaired write music. York, 26, was in elementary school when she was diagnosed with Stargardt disease and inherited juvenile macular degeneration, and now her vision is blurry and she cannot see things that are far away. Her paintings are large, marked by bright colors and strong black or white outlines, and feature figures who wear glasses or do not have eyes. York works fluidly, not knowing what she is going to paint until she paints it. I want it to be stark. I want it to be seen. So if I walk by, I can see it, she said, as she drew a brush over canvas in her home studio in Bowie on Tuesday morning. Her pit bull mix Snoopy keeping her company. Exhibits like this one help chisel away at a lot of the barriers to delicate conversations about people with vision loss, Hunter said Tuesday, as students and a professor of Corcoran worked in the gallery blocking out where to hang paintings. Claire Brown, who heads the school's Master of Arts program in exhibition design, added, From a visual standpoint, it doesn't matter. These are beautiful works of art, and that becomes clear when you put it in a gallery setting. Some of the show's participants have been practicing their art for decades. Chris Downey worked as an architect for 20 years before losing his sight in 2008. Now he teaches architecture at the University of California at Berkeley, focusing on design and accessibility for people with vision loss. Lawrence Harrison has been painting since he got out of the military in 1980, around the time he was diagnosed with glaucoma. He became legally blind 20 years ago and uses magnifying equipment to help him paint portraits of stars, 
such as Prince, Maya Angelou, and Miles Davis. As his vision has deteriorated, I focus more on the little things, said Harrison, 59, seated beside his soon-to-be-hung works. Every little detail matters, every little dot. For her paintings, Smooch shines a strong light on her canvas while being careful not to let it point at her eyes. She cannot work for more than two hours at a time. Her canvases, which include figures of women falling, incorporate her experience with vision loss. Sometimes it can feel as if there is no ground beneath her feet, so she has worked optical illusions into her art. She is acutely aware that it was this loss that led to her career as an artist, which also includes teaching and designing clothing. I wouldn't have found who I am right now if I didn't lose my vision, she said. There are hidden symbols in all my pieces. You really have to look within it, and that's how I live my life. Page 5, The Sound Prince Calendar on April 11, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, Savvy, will have its meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Savvy will be participating in the Low Vision Fair hosted by the Western Kentucky Assistive Technology Center at Wendell Foster Young Meeting House, 815 Triplett Street in Owensboro. This is a public event offering equipment demonstrations and resources from community agencies. For information, call Rick Bogus at 270 270- Six eight four 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 one eight or Bill Roberts at two seven zero four eight five eight one seven zero. On April thirteenth, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group will meet from one thirty to three thirty p.m. Includes low vision tips and tricks from occupational therapist and low vision specialist Jennifer Genderman from the Kentucky Lions Eye Foundation. A presentation will also be made by Beth Phillips concerning vision loss. This takes place at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. For more information, call KCB at 502-895-4598. Also on April 13, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold a conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155619. On April 14, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have a roundabout, individualized education and technology activities from 3.30 to 5 p.m., discussion time from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $5 per person, bingo $2 a person, and cards from 7 until 10 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 895-4598 to sign up. On April 16, the KSB Alumni Association will hold its board meeting at 8 p.m. by telephone. The number is 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On April 17, the KCB board meeting will be held at 7.30 p.m. by phone on the same conference line. On April 21, the Greater Louisville Council of Bond Roundabout will include individualized technology, genealogy, braille, and other instruction from 3.30 to 5 p.m., an intro to search techniques from 5 to 6, dinner 6 to 7, $5 per person. The book club will meet during dinner, 
and there will be a bargain table, games and crafts, and other activities following dinner. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On April 22, there will be a walking tour of Clifton from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. This is sponsored by the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. Join them for a walking tour of the Clifton neighborhood starting at the historic 1883 APH building on the grounds of the Printing House. Learn about the evolution of the area from a sparsely populated rural community in 1830 to a densely settled urban Louisville neighborhood. This is free and it's best for older children and adults. To sign up, call the museum at 502-899-2213. On April 24, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have their membership call. It will be at 7 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006. The code is 294444. On April 26, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind invites you to their peer support group meeting from 12 to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council office 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call them at 859-259-1834. On April 28, the Kentucky Office for the Blind Statewide Rehabilitation Council will meet from 9.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. Call Jennifer Wright at 502-564-4754 for more information. Also on April 28 is the GLCB Roundabout and Spring Quarterly Meeting. There will be education and tech activities from 3.30 to 4.45. The bargain table and sign-in for the meeting, 4.45. The program and speaker will begin at 5.15. Dinner at 6 o'clock. And the business meeting and elections from 7 to 8.30. $5 per person for the entire event. It will be held at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to register. On May 2, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, access code 294444. The program will be announced soon. On May 3 is the KCB PR membership meeting also on the same conference line at 8 p.m. On May 4, the American Council of Blind Lions will have its conference call for the month. Blind Lions from around the country are invited to share ideas and ways to be involved in local clubs and will also be doing some planning for the upcoming conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind and discussing some constitutional amendments to the ACBL Constitution. This call is at 9 p.m. on the line at 712-432-3900. The code is 796096. On May 6, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind invites you to our Derby Party, 10.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Plan to come early, stay late, or come early and leave early, come late and stay late. Enjoy friends, games, and food all day. $5 per person at United Crescent Hill Ministries. Call 502-895-4598 to register. 
On May 7, the Greater Louisville Council of Blind Committees will meet by telephone on the conference line. Advocacy at 7 o'clock, Education and Technology at 8, Activities at 9. The number is 605-475-6006 and the code is 294444. On May 9 is the Kentucky School for the Blind Founders Day. Celebrate KSB's 175th anniversary at this special Founders Day dinner and program. Tickets are $10 per person and must be purchased in advance. For more information, call the Kentucky School for the Blind at 502-897-1583, extension 7117. On May 13, the American Printing House for the Blind invites you to Exploring with All the Senses, Animals in the Backyard. 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Meet our city neighbors in the animal world through all the senses. Hands-on activities and interactions with wild animals. Offered in partnership with the Louisville Nature Center. Free for all ages, but registration is required. Call 502-899-2213. On May 16 is the next Library Without Walls conference call. Share great books with book lovers from across the country. Sponsored by the Library Users of America, Lua. More details and conference number coming soon. On May 24 is the KSB 8th grade graduation and middle school high school award ceremony from 12 noon to 2 p.m. at the Kentucky School for the Blind in the Ritchie Auditorium. Also on that day is the KSB high school graduation from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium. For more information on both activities, call the school at 502-897-1583. May 27, the Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation chapter invites you to join them for a lunch cruise on the Bell of Louisville from 11.30 a.m., Plan to join us on this fun-filled river cruise. For more information, call Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody. Well, I'm